nights when one drink with the girls turns into a bottle, but you need your car for brunch the next day. There's pickup. Or at Friday work drinks, where you don't want to leave your car with expensive tools at the pub. There's pickup. Don't miss out on the fun. Get a pickup. Simply book on our app, and we'll pick you up to drive you and your car home. Two drivers arrive, one drives you home in your car, and the other driver follows. Download the pickup app today. That's PKUP, and wake up worry free. Hi, I'm Jack LeBrock. Hi, I'm David Reynolds. You're listening to Inside Supercars. From the racetracks across Australia, and here's Inside Supercars. Today on Inside Supercars, we continue the Tasmanian flavour with Tony Whitlock down there on the Apple Isle. He spoke with Marcus Ambrose, who was not with supercars per se, but he was helping out a fellow Tasmanian, Owen Kelly, in the Trans Ams. We're here with Marcus Ambrose, who's in a different role to the one most of our listeners would know him as. Marcus, your spanners are falling into your hand very easily here now. We're with the Owen Kelly, number 73 Mustang. Welcome back to uh, Australian Motorsport. Yeah, it is good to be back at the track. You know, I've gotten re-engaged with racing a little bit. My daughter, Tabitha, she's 15. She's been racing go-karts. And so we're sort of, uh, the family's sort of uh, turning the racing wheel again, if you like. Owen Kelly gave me a call. He said, I've rented this car for two weeks. Can you come and be my crew chief? Have a bit of fun. It sounded good on paper. <laughs> uh, but a lot of work um, has, you know, we've had to turn this car around. and. Um, we really didn't know what we were getting into. We've not, never raced these cars. I hadn't laid my eyes on one of these cars until we uh, we came down for a bit of a ride day in December. So we've sort of been working away at it, trying to get it better. And yeah, we're competitive. It's been fun to get the uh, wrenches in my hand and uh, watch Owen go do his job. Now, Marcus, I can vividly remember the day at the Australian Grand Prix when it was announced that Ford Motor Company sitting beside you and Ross Stone on the other side that you're off to America. Yep. Um, that was a hell of a trip. And you put yourself in a very elite company because there are only four overseas drivers. And Mario Andretti is one of them who've won a NASCAR race. And you won two of them. And NASCAR... What are you calling Mario overseas? Overseas. Yourself, Montoya... Oh, I can't remember. Mario's American, isn't he? No, no. At the time, he won the race. Right, okay. He was right. Okay, right. Didn't know that. Yeah. Uh, right. Well, there it is. But, yeah, I'm not one for history books. I'm, no, no. I'm just out well, there racing fine. and doing... You do the things. I, I live my life, right? <laughs> yeah. And, um, yeah, I mean, my time in America was great. And, uh, so, you eight years over there? Nine, I think. Nine, yeah, nine, eight. close to ten. Yeah, okay. it was a good run. Where are we living most of the time? Uh, I've been living in Tasmania here at the moment. No, no, no. Sorry. Uh, North, North Carolina. And the workshop was not far away. And yeah, look, I've always um, tried to be close to the workshop. So you don't need to be at the workshop every day, but you need to be able to be there if required. And so it's just been the way I've sort of conducted myself. Um, you know, when I raced for a, a Sydney-based team in Formula Ford back in 1997, I moved to Sydney. When I raced for a Formula Ford team in 1996, I moved to Melbourne. When I went to the UK, I moved to the UK. This is how it goes. And so... Uh, no different uh, when I went to the States. I just lived uh, in North Carolina. It's where most of the race teams are and where the action is. And you just need to be there. Okay. All right. Well, you thrilled uh, the crowds around the world in, with your racing uh, dare and devil and skill and daring. Um, it must be very different now just helping a friend because you and Owen have been friends for a long time. We have. We grew up racing go-karts together here in Tasmania. So we, we go way back and, um, you know, we've had... We've been friends, we've been enemies, we've been teammates, we've been uh, villains. 
Uh, but overall, um, I've got a lot of respect for Owen yep. and what he does, and it's, I'm sure it's shared. And it's just really nice to sort of come back together and do a little deal like this. It's, uh, it's been really enjoyable, and to see Owen run well, it gives me a lot of pride, you know, because he's a great driver, and uh, he's won a lot of races all around the world. Yep. Uh, but he's been sort of... Um, uh, not talked about very much, you know. He's just sort of stayed out of the limelight. Just sort of uh, Kelly. Yeah, yeah, that's what they do, you know. Yeah. But he's a great driver, a good friend of mine, and I'm really pleased to help him. Okay. And uh, when you came back to Australia and you came back to Tasmania, you got into a new business. Oh, uh, yeah, still going. Business. It's going great. Thousand Lakes Lodge is the name of it. It's just a wilderness lodge up in the central highlands of Tasmania, where Tasmania's highest uh, accommodation. It's a, it's a wilderness lodge where you go there and you look at quolls and wombats and devils and mountain bike, uh, electric mountain bikes, and we've got a couple of bush huts you can go to, lots of lakes. It's a beautiful area. Um, I just wanted to do something different when I came home and um, you know, it was fun to rebuild the lodge and get it going and running the lodge is good too. But Was that land you knew well before you went? Oh, I just wanted to go and do something different. You know, I've been racing in the concrete jungle for... 20 odd years and so I was just looking to sort of um, switch up, switch up gears, do something different. Well from the mechanic to the driver, Tony Whitlock caught up with Owen Kelly. We're here at Baskerville, another Trans Am 2 races run and today it's a Sunday and it's the last race before the big one. Owen Kelly, welcome on board. Thanks for having me. It's good to have you here. Now Owen of course made a name in recent years as a NASCAR driver um, and he's recruited an old Tasmanian friend, also uh, a Launceston. You're not from Launceston? No, I'm from Devonport. And of course still works in the uh, transport business which your father built and started. Yep, yep, that's right. Yep, okay. We're all, all in that still, yep. I remember you vividly rushing off always at race meetings to sort of go and organise a truck here, a truck there, yeah. or something like that. So, you raced in the US for a while, but let's go back to your start. You're a Formula Forder. Yep, that's right. Formula Ford, yep. You Which, last ran that in when? What year? Uh, early 2000. Early 2000. Yeah. Okay. And of course, then uh, made the jump to uh, Development Series. Yeah, well, I did a little bit of Super Touring before that uh, okay. with Paul Morris and you the did ex, indeed, uh, yes. Diet Coke BMWs and... And then, um, and then the development series following year with John Faulkner. Yep. Yeah. And of course, um, got yourself uh, well known as a co-driver for Bathurst every year, um, and a dozen of those or so. And the last one was uh, 2012 with Greg Murphy in the Pepsi Max car. Okay. All right. And that was at Kelly Racing, and they yep. had a fleet of uh, Commodores then. They did. Yep. Yeah. It was a year before they went to Nissan. Yep. Okay. But that's not the last time you drove, because the most recent time you've raced was actually overseas. Yeah, so my last race before now is actually 2016. Uh, I did the road course races for Joe Gibbs Racing in the um, uh, Xfinity Series. Yep. Which, and, uh, which, yeah, one level down from the Cup Series. Okay. Now, how did you get to go and race in, in NASCAR in America? How's that happen? Uh, well, I've always been a NASCAR fan. Um, that was my main interest since I was a little kid. My Hang dad... on, I've been a fan of Formula One. I saw not race there yet. <laughs> yeah, I know, but it's... Um, it's here, uh, you know. Well, it is, and, and it's opportunities that arise. So when I went over in, uh, actually with, with Mark Sambrose to the Daytona 500 in 07, it was his first race in uh, Xfinity, and took to watch him and... Um, he hooked me up with one of his guys there that had a late model, 
and I went back in the middle of the year and, and did a couple of late model races and really enjoyed it and had a good time and um, hard to get anything going though, you know, no one knows you and, and then I came back, uh, did the last three or four races of the Supercar Championship for Paul Morris and the last round at Phillip Island, I found out uh, Dale Earnhardt Jr. was actually coming to the, that race um, to check it out. And, um, so I made sure that we, um, you know, I got to meet him and we hung out and then that all sort of turned into a bigger deal and uh, we, Paul and I showed him around the Gold Coast and um, then he came and drove my car at Willow Bank and did all this stuff and then um, one night over a couple of beers we decided that uh, I'd, I'd go and drive one of his late models and move over there and um, ended up moving there for a couple of years, nearly three years and drove for him for two of them and that's how it all started over there. Okay. Now Trans Am 2 of course is uh, based on American uh, ideas and it's similar to a NASCAR. Yeah it is, it's, um, it's very similar to a late model and um, really it's a, a road racing version of a late model and um, very, you know, all of it's very stock car-ish. Um, a lot of the components, quick change rear end, um, but really good car. Um, you know, they're, they're a lot of fun to drive. They're, they're quite light, they're quite fast, they're low, they're wide, they're loud, they tick all the boxes. And reliable. Yeah, they are reliable, yeah. Um, and, I mean, you've obviously had some success this weekend and enjoyed that. Um, you thinking of going further? Oh, we just, um, you know, when this deal came about with, with Gary Rogers, and um, it was just for two races, and uh, so that's that's sort of where we're at at the moment. We thought we'll just get get these two races done and see how it all goes and look at the fun meter and see see what it's like. Okay, you're a pretty proud Tasmanian, I know that from a long history. Um, so your wife and uh, an American wife? Yep, yep. Name of Whitney? Whitney from Georgia, yep. Yep, Georgia, okay. Good country there for NASCAR and was yeah, it yeah. leader of track? Yeah, around racing. So did you? Right, yeah, okay. her dad. Her dad was an engine builder for Ernie Elliott, which was Bill Elliott's brother. So it's all sort of yeah. all. Yeah. Um, but she didn't have any role to play in you getting here or any of this sort of thing. No, not in the Trans Am thing. But um, no, it's um, uh, you know Gary. Gary rang me about doing these couple of races, and I said, "Well, shit, mate, I've been trying to drive for you for 25 years." So. <laughs> And now's the time. <laughs> um, and uh, so a wife, a couple of kids, and you're now based in Denver still? No, so I'm in Melbourne. Oh, and okay. uh, yeah, we've um, still run the, the parts of the business that we have over there and right. um, flat out with that. And, and, and the kids are three and five, Hudson and Peyton. So um, Hudson's just starting to get organised. to. He wants to go go-kart racing. So... That'll be filling in a few so weekends. Another, yeah. Start of a trip. Yeah. Well, that's wonderful. I greatly appreciate your time, Owen. Best of luck this afternoon. I know you've got all the right elements on tow to uh, put together a basketball 10,000. So uh, we hope you wish you well and we'll catch up with you again soon. Thanks very much. Good to see you. The feature today is the man who was the voice of supercars and the voice of touring car racing for many a year. Tony Whitlock, whilst in the north of Tasmania, spoke with Barry Oliver. I'm here at Simmons Plains Raceway. It's a, a wonderful day of racing in Tasmania because it's the start of Australian Championship Series. 
and Barry Oliver has joined me, a long-time name and voice known to the supercar paddock, when they were called V8s, in fact. <laughs> Welcome, Barry. Thank you very much, Tony, and it's uh, nice to catch up with you, first of all, and nice to have a chat to you about uh, what's been happening since I finished at the end of 2007. It seems we were remarking a second ago, uh, 13 years ago, just 14 years ago, um, just extraordinary that that should be the case. But um, Barry, you were in the paddock for a long time. Tell us the background, actually, how you got there again. We have told this tale, but it is a fascinating one. Okay, well, uh, when the Shell Australian Touring Car Championship came here to Simmons Plains, uh, it occurred to me that Really, the one thing that was missing from the championship was a series commentator so that we had continuity across the championship. And Tommy Smith from Shell, I'm sure you would remember. Yes, well. Uh, I used to badger him every year. I'd say, Tommy, Tommy, you must get a series commentator. Well, it must have had some impact because in uh, December uh, 91... I got a phone call to say, please come to Melbourne, we'd like to have a chat to you. And the long and the short of all of that was, uh, okay, uh, we'll uh, make you the series on-course commentator. It'll be for 12 months, at the end of which time we will sit down, reassess it. You'll decide whether you like us, we'll decide whether we like you. Um, now, by the way, uh, we're going to give you return airfares, accommodation, breakfast and evening meal, and there's no fee. So that was the deal. That was the package. Well, that one year in 1992 went on until the end of 2007. So I did a lot of talking in 16 years, Tony. <laughs> well, I remember by 94 uh, when I started Racefacts that yours was certainly a voice of the series and it was that way for many years to come, fortunately for all of us. Um, so you, you've seen the series grow um, and change and evolve. Um, you've seen the series move away from the Cochrane era and the Caddick era. Um, what do you think of the way it's going now? I mean, obviously you haven't seen it for 18 months in person. Yeah, look, to be honest with you, I've got some concerns, Tony. I'm hoping that Gen 3, with its introduction in 2022, uh, in fact gives them a chance to revitalise it because I believe at the moment there'd be a lot of teams out there that are finding it very, very difficult to make ends meet. And so I, I don't want to see a situation where people basically are forced to withdraw from the sport because of the cost involved. So Gen 3 really, from my point of view, is really going to be the saviour of the class. The second thing is the introduction of the Camaro, whether previous Holden fans are prepared to accept the Camaro is another issue. Um, I'd like to just make a comment about 2020 if I could. I'm going to take my hat off to supercars first of all because I think for them to have been able to at least give us a championship, albeit under the most incredible circumstances, uh, camp Cap, uh, uh, cam, putting all the events close together, using circuits more than once, uh, and giving us a championship, I think, is a major plus. But in particular, I think the teams that really made very, very significant sacrifices to be able to make that happen, and especially the teams from Melbourne. So, full marks to all concerned, and I'd like to think that this year the same sort of camaraderie that came through with all of the teams across the board will carry on into season 2021. 
Yeah, it's interesting, you know, that supercars went through that period when Cochrane and Caddick were still there, when, of course, the internationalism of the sport was tried. Yeah. And unfortunately, as we well know, the uh, Abu Dhabi, Bahrain, the Shanghai and the Austin, Texas uh, events all went by the wayside. Um, But um, I think the series did learn something about what potentially they can do. Yes. um, Albeit that it wasn't really financially viable. No. Um, but anyway, so um, as far as, I mean, I, I don't think that uh, there needs to be an asterisk next to Scott McLaughlin's third championship. I think that uh, in many ways possibly the hardest of them all because yes. he, you know, had to fight hard. But he put an extraordinary uh, season together, didn't he? Oh, he did. Absolutely. And, you know, I can understand Roger Penske, who, let's face it, has done more for motorsport across the board uh, than any other person really when you think about it. I mean all the categories that he's been involved in from the time when he was a gun competitor himself right through to a man who's now in his late 80s and the success he's enjoyed. So it came as no surprise to me that Roger said, okay, I've got somebody special here in Scott McLaughlin, three championships, um, he just fits the bill nicely and I'm excited for Scott and I just hope that everything works out well for him. But, of course, the big but, Tony, is that bloody COVID, which is uh, devastating America at the moment, and already there's been postponements in the calendar. Mm. All right. So, um, given that you stopped doing that, your occupation uh, and trade of uh, work for many years living in the Wild System? Well, for the last 16 years, uh, I retired at the end of uh, 2009, I turned 65 and I said to my wife, I think it's time to step back. Uh, But up until that retirement, I ran uh, advanced driving techniques and uh, I operated at Simmons Plains and Baskerville running one day defensive driver training courses, um, basically in the corporate and government sector. Uh, So there were one day courses all about defensive driving and um, it, it proved to be very successful. So I retired at the end of 2009. Um, then I did something I thought I'd never do, is I went out and bought myself an SUV and a caravan and went to the mainland for two months. Had a break in 2011, and then in 2012, went back to the mainland with a caravan, had three months, came home and said, fantastic, really enjoyed it, wonderful experience, pleased I've done it, but I'm over it, and sold the caravan. <laughs> but uh, I've maintained my interest in the sport. Um, I'm still doing commentary here in Tasmania. Uh, I do the Simmons Plains rounds of the state championship, occasionally in Baskerville, and I also do the uh, historic race meeting at uh, Baskerville. Uh, so, yes, there's still an involvement. Yeah, and you've course coming up very soon in Longford is the Motorama. Yes, tell it us is. about that. Okay, well, last year we were able to run a three-day event in Longford itself, right in the centre of Longford, which was to really focus on what happened at Longford between 1953 and 1968. And bear in mind that my first ever association, or sorry, uh, introduction to motorsport was at Longford. In 1955, I was 11 years of age and my father, Bob, took me to Longford and that was it. I was done, forever. Uh, And I still remember the meeting very, very vividly. I went there right through into the last one in 68. And as I often say to people, 
I actually cut short my honeymoon in 1968 to come back in time to go to Longford. So there you go. Um, so what this motorama was all about, what happened in that wonderful period of time. And so when the Longford, let's just deal with the car side. Longford uh, track itself went from about 57, 58, something like that? No, no it started in 53. 53, okay, yes. and until 69? 68. 68. 68. Right. There were a couple of years in the 50s where it never happened. On one occasion, there was a wharfy strike in Melbourne, would you believe, and they simply couldn't get the timing gear. And, oh, yeah, anyway, uh, but yeah, from 53, that first year in 53 was predominantly a bike meeting, and in actual fact... Um, it was the Tasmanian Motorcycle Club who came up with the concept of using those public roads. And it was the most amazing circuit that, uh, yeah, 4.7 miles long, 6.2 kilometres, and uh, the highest speed ever attained on the flying mile was 184 miles per hour. So I'll put it in the old imperial measurement. Uh, but we saw some wonderful people, world champions, uh, that came over to compete in the Tasman series and so on. Indeed. So the idea of Motorama was to to get together with some of the cars from that period, some of the motorbikes from that period. Will there be an international contingent coming forward, do you think? Um, well, this year it's only going to be a, um, shall we say, uh, in respect of COVID and uh, the associated problems, it's only going to be one one uh, day this year. Yeah. But what we've set up is that four different spots around what is left of the circuit, okay, we're going to provide an opportunity for people to get on the bus and go to those four locations and have somebody there can actually talk to them about what happened in that area. And there's going to be a montage of photos of cars and bikes at that point from the era. What date is it? Uh, Gee, I've got me now, Tony. It's March. It's March. It's March. Um, It's the same weekend that Phillip Island Historics would have been on. Okay. Okay, so that's the clue, I suppose. And um, I've been allocated to talk about Mountford Corner. Now, Mountford Corner is the very sharp right-hander at the end of the flying mile. And so they're they're going to have a television screen set up at each location uh, with vision of the racing that occurred over the years, uh, a montage of photos, and as I say, somebody at each point that was familiar with what happened there. Incredible. Well, it certainly sounds like something well worthwhile having, and... um, Barry, it's been wonderful to talk with you. I look forward to catching up with you again soon. And maybe at Baskerville next weekend, are you putting your face down there? My word, I am. I will look You're not going to get rid of me. Wonderful. Thank you, Barry Oliver, joining us on Inside Supercars. Thanks for joining us again on Inside Motorsport. Thanks to Tony Whitlock for those interviews out of Tassie. Next week, we will be looking at the test days as we build up to the start of the championship season at Bathurst. I hope you'll join us then. Inside Supercars is produced by Thunder Media. Tune in next time for more or lock in the podcast on your iTunes or mobile device. Search Inside Supercars. The views expressed on Inside Supercars, including the panellists and guests, do not reflect the views of the network, Thunder Media or Sport Radio. Any publication or rebroadcast of the show without the expressed written permission of Thunder Media is strictly prohibited.